This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. Guys, if this is your first time joining us, thank you for tuning in. This is the podcast where we talk hunting, fishing, outdoors, strategies, tips, tricks, stories, you name it, it's on this show. And and we have one hope, and that is after the end of this show, you feel more energized, more excited, and more compelled to get in the outdoors and enjoy all the different opportunities that we each have. My name is Walt, and I am joined by my co-host, Chase Buddy. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Um, getting ready. I'm looking forward to this weekend. You and I have a, a quota hunt lined up for this weekend, and I just yep. spent probably six and a half hours yesterday. <laughs> I took the two-hour two drive up to your neck of the woods to do a little bit of scouting, so I'm a little bit uh, tired from that, <laughs> uh, walking around for six hours, but hopefully I got some good intel. And other than that, I've just been messing around. I've been messing around with this uh, European skull mount that I've been doing. So I'm almost done with that. Um, I think it'll be cool once I'm done, and I'll I'll post it to the Chasing Tales um, Facebook page and Instagram and kind of get some yeah. uh, feedback from anybody, see what they think about it. So that's what I'm up to, man. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm I'm excited. This weekend's going to be a good time. I, it's the last weekend uh, that uh, you and I will get to hunt uh, this particular piece of property. And uh, we've gotten some intel on a pretty good deer that we're getting after, and I'm not going to go any further than that. But I'm I'm excited as well for this weekend. I I think this is going to be a good time. You and I have yet to really share much of like a a serious hunting camp together, and this will be like the first full weekend you and I've gone at it, hasn't it? Yeah, should be. Uh, last year we it was like a day, pretty much a day hunt. That yeah, we did. yeah. And uh, then we during turkey season we did like a maybe like a three and a half four hour hunt together during turkey yeah, season yeah. Uh, we've done more fishing together but That's true uh so hopefully uh it'll, it'll be a good time either way we got some uh podcasts kind of lined up that we're gonna be able to do together so that'll be fun yep. and uh, i'm just looking forward to being out in the woods still like i said my season and my zone's been over a little over a week now so it's kind of good that i can kind of come out and extend the season some yeah and, uh, get to spend some time with uh, the og host of chasing tales <laughs> so what are your what are your expectations going into this weekend what do, what do you think like best case scenario what happens <laughs> best case scenario is that we both kill a deer um i have <laughs> one tag left for florida so all i can do is kill one deer um but i would consider that probably best case scenario is that we both tag out on deer uh this weekend or i tag out on deer you kill a deer um, and we've, we've got another spot lined up too that we might want to try yep. as well. So hopefully, shoot, hopefully you kill more than one, 
but I think that <laughs> I'll a, start with a one. good goal <laughs> is one deer. But to be honest with you, who knows? It's not a super long hunt, so my expectations aren't super high. Um, hopefully, I can just get out and see some deer and uh, have a good time. So that that's my my main expectation is get out there with you and kind of look and get to experience some of the areas that you get to hunt and uh, maybe be able to give some feedback uh, on a podcast that we do uh, later on about what I saw and maybe kind of be able to relate to what you're doing up there. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm looking forward to that as well because I'm also looking forward to your mindset. You know, I I have a, a weakness, and that is I tend to... Mm, I, 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 I overthink situations and, you know, that's one of the things that, man, the past few episodes, all of our guests have been saying, you know, Hey, you know, don't overthink this. Don't be afraid to make mistakes, get in there and, and make mistakes and learn from them. And, you know, I think Locke said, you know, don't, you know, you're trying to think like too much like a deer or something like that to that effect, basically, you know, just relax kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to do that, and I think it's going to be fun now that you've spent all that time scouting that area. When we hunt, you're quick to, like, just hop from observation area to observation area. And I tend to try – I gravitate to those thicker areas where it's closer quarters and maybe a deer feels a little bit better. But you very clearly are doing pretty good on the deer tags, uh, you know, situation here. So I, <laughs> I'm hoping a little bit of that rubs off on me. <laughs> well, true, and like I said, I, I – to say that I'm doing good is I just have the time to be able to do that. Yeah. Like I've mentioned before and to be able to come out and maybe get something done on an area where there's been a little bit of success this season on that area, but I wouldn't say it's been a stellar year by any nope. stretch of the imagination. So that's kind of where I always kind of think is like, you got to figure out what your expectations are going in to somewhere. And right now I was thinking, before I was like, oh yeah, well, may I, I got a good shot at killing something, but then after seeing some of the stuff, I was like, well, maybe I don't. Maybe it's just a, an off year for that area, but it still didn't change my tactics on how I scouted the area and what I looked for. And I don't know why that is. Uh, you told me that there's been some weekends where there's been some weird weather, and there has yep. people haven't been able to hunt, so that could play into it uh, as part of why there hasn't been as much success this year as maybe some of the years past so i'm going into it with an open mind and just trying to learn something is the main thing and like you said my first hunt is kind of it's an observation hunt but it's also kind of an area where we know that good bucks at so i may i'm going to use that and go from there oh absolutely and and the redundancy of our spots you know i i've told everybody on probably every episode now ever since october i've been just bouncing around from new spot to new spot and just trying to find sign trying to find new areas and and i learned very on this this season that i didn't do a good enough job finding those backup spots and uh i think you can attest i've put in a fair amount of time bouncing from from spot to spot running trail cameras in different areas um you know, kind of working with some of the local guys to kind of get a feel for some of these spots. And it seems like maybe some of the areas that I was putting time in before, uh, I should have put less time into and more in other areas. And, you know, if, if we don't see any activity uh, early on in the weekend, we might just pull pull out and go to an entirely different spot and, uh, you know, try it for a little while. Or if the pressure gets too much on that spot, you know, which is entirely possible. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think I, I my gut says deer are going to die by one of our hands. I can't tell you who, I just think one of us is going to kill a deer this, this weekend. And I'm really excited about it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope that person's you because I've had my fair share this season sure. already. So I'm, I'm rooting for you, pulling for you. So whatever I got to do to help you get on a deer this weekend, I'm going to do. Um, so even if I have to get into an area and maybe wind bump deer your direction <laughs> where <laughs> all my scent's going one way and you're just on the back end of the other side, hoping maybe deer are slipping out that direction or something. Um, or just use uh, intel that I'm seeing from the stand to maybe have you make a move uh, to get right. over to that area. So whatever I got to do to get uh, you on a deer this weekend is that's my main goal. So if I can go back and say my main goal this weekend is to get is to help you get a deer, and if I just get one, if I get one as well, that'll be icing on the cake. Right. 
Yeah, no, it's going to be a good time. And it's the rut here. For anybody who's listening who's not familiar with the Panhandle, they are rutting right now. So anything could happen. I mean, there's a chance. Hell, it's, it's, it's not out of, the, out of the realm of possibility that both you and I shoot a deer this weekend. So Yeah, no doubt. I saw plenty that, of sign that said that. I mean, and even looking back at, because at this management area, there's a place where they post pictures of deer that have been taken. If you look, there was like January 17th and 18th, which isn't too long ago, uh, is probably one of their better weeks. So I'm thinking that was kind of pre-rut time area. And I saw a ton of sign to tell me that the rut was going on. I mean, there there were fresh rubs and a bunch of fresh grapes. So to me, that's uh, a great indication of what what's kind of going on on that uh, big chunk of public there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's do this. We're about ten minutes into this episode, and we need to thank the people who make this possible. And we've got some fun announcements uh, to make this episode. These are the kind of episodes that I really live for because not only is it just you and I talking about, you know, hunting and and whatnot, which is something that I always enjoy. You know, we, you and I talk offline all the time, but I really think that people will enjoy these kind of dialogues between you and I and the content that we have planned for today, but we get to give away stuff to people on this episode, and that's the best part. But before we get to that, we need to thank the title sponsor of this podcast, and that is Tethered. If you haven't heard, saddle hunting is the newest way to kill deer. Actually, it might actually predate some tree stand companies, but it is quickly becoming the hottest way to chase deer. And you know that Chase and I have had a blast killing deer. Chase killed one of his bigger deer this year uh, in a in a stand in a tree that he never once before was able to get a tree stand in. So we can literally credit the saddle for that kill. So check him out, tetherednation.com, and let him know that we sent you. Here's the fun part for me. This is the part, I, I ever since we started doing these giveaways, Chase, I don't know about you, but I get really excited about our quarterly giveaways for our Patreon uh, subscribers. Oh yeah, no doubt. So if you don't know what Patreon is, it, it is a way for you to support this show. We have three tiers, a two, a five, and a $10 tier. And that money goes to the operating cost of this show. It goes to the, the hosting fees. It goes to the equipment costs, the traveling costs. You know, it has allowed us to get into video this year, which is huge. I mean, that that's massive. I have had a good time with that. And I've got it on good authority that next year there may be a camera cha- uh, in Chase's hands or following Chase around as well. So I'm excited for what the future holds in that regard, and I thank you guys for subscribing. And one of the ways that we say thank you, one of the many ways that we say thank you, is with quarterly giveaways. Now, we teased that starting soon we were going to start doing reviews of some of the gear that we're sending you. And I've got a YouTube review that I am currently editing right now that you're going to get a sneak peek on Patreon first before we publish it to our regular YouTube channel. And it highlights one of the two items that we're giving away tonight. And that is the Havilon Peranta knives. We're actually giving away two of these this year. And this, if you don't know what that is, it's a, it's the foldable collapsible knife that's got the replaceable blades that are ridiculously sharp. So today, if your name is Alex Plu or Chase Bowman, you have now won a sixty-dollar Havilon Peranta knife with replacement blades. Congratulations to you guys. I will send those out to you very shortly. Look for an email coming from me to verify your shipping address. But the grand prize from this quarter was the Tailwind Puffy Jacket from Fleet. We've talked a lot about the the, the soft shell jackets that, that uh, we got from them this year that were absolutely, I mean, honest to God, the Phantom Soft Shell Pant is my favorite pant that I own from a comfort standpoint. It's like just straight pajama bottoms for cold weather. And William decided to jump on this quarterly giveaway and give one away to you. And the winner of the Tailwind Puffy Jacket is Josh Shineberry. I really hope I said your name right. If I didn't, feel free to bludgeon me on, on social media and tell me what your name is. And while you're there, go ahead and confirm your uh, shipping. Actually, I'll hit you up privately about that. Don't put that out there on social media. But... Uh, guys, congratulations. Thank you all for supporting us and look forward to the next quarterly giveaway, which Chase, I know you're really excited to announce. Why don't you take that away? Yeah. So when I won the bow for the competition that I was in, I also got uh, some accessories for it. One of those accessories was one of the uh, Trophy Ridge React sites. It's a five pin site, which I, I don't use a, a fixed pin uh, site and I always use the adjustable sites. So what I've decided to do is a thank you to the patrons is I am going to 
we're going to make that uh, one of the giveaways uh, for the next quarter for Patreon. I'm excited. I mean, that's a $150 bow site. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's very nice. Um, and I, it's just one of those things where I just don't like the uh, the fixed five-set pin sure. uh, combo. So I just decided, hey, why don't I uh, put this up towards uh, Patreon, and hopefully someone who does uh, can enjoy it whenever they uh, win it for the next quarter. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one where you side in like the first and the second pin or the first and the third pin and the re- the remainder like fall into place, right? Like it's auto-calculating. Yes. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. So that that is an awesome, awesome giveaway. I'm, I'm thrilled. We've done a, you know, I'm going to just brag for a second. I feel like we do a really good job with these giveaways. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we, we're thinking about what maybe the patrons can use and we've sure. also got, we've got stuff lined up already for other giveaways um so we're just going to put this one up for the next one and then it'll just every quarter there'll just be more stuff and hopefully we can give some stuff that may be appropriate for maybe that season or what's whatever's going on so that's that's our goal is to just keep kind of ramping it up and and uh, see what we can do and if our listeners that are helping us out we, we just like to give back and say thank you yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the least we could do for, for you deciding to support the show financially. I mean, literally when I say you guys make the show possible, you do. And we've got some, some awesome things coming this upcoming year that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy. And I just, you know, say that to, to tease it and just say, you know, once again, thanks because it means the world to us. But, uh, dude, I, I think, I think this show week show is really going to speak to a lot of people. And, I think that's because it's something that applies to you regardless of your stage of being an outdoorsman. And if you can hear that dog barking in the background, I'm not sure if it's going to come through. I am uh, actually watching the pup while uh, I wait for my wife to get home. So I apologize in advance for that, but my wife should be here shortly. Post-seizing or pre-season, depending on how you look at it, scouting. That is perhaps the most important part um, of, of, of the, the deer, whitetail deer pursuit? Yes or no? Do you agree? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't really call it post or preseason. I consider hunting, what is it, 365? Right. So it's more of it's a part of the season um, that I can use to get uh, intel when I can actually hunt. Right. Well, and I think, you know, I teed this up in a previous episode. I think one of the reasons why you're so damn successful is because you are monitoring your properties year-round. I mean, you are running trail cameras year-round. You you inventory every stage of the animals on your property. And in this season, I feel like one of the reasons you were successful is because you had several years' worth of intense study of your property and you were able to reasonably predict when the deer were going to be moving and where based on a huge body of evidence. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, that's kind of the, the big picture thing. Whenever we're talking about hunting is you're, you're looking not only at like what's going on right now, but more of what's going to be going on. What are the deer going to be doing during the rut? What, what do they do pre-season? What do they do at the beginning of the season? What do they do late season? And we kind of talked about that before is having a good pulse uh, of the areas you're hunting, whether that's private land, whether that's public land. And it doesn't take a whole lot to do that. It's more of you just have to get out there. Um, even if you don't have trail cameras, you can still get out and uh, do scouting, find find trails. And you, a lot of people like to do all of that stuff kind of after the season because they're, they're not really going in there and spooking deer that they're trying to hunt. Um, and then it's for me it's just a good way of knowing okay what is this deer doing during the times that i can hunt them so okay so we've been inundated with a lot of people who are new to hunting and i think we've probably got a pretty veteran listener base as well and i said earlier it applies to both and i think that's because scouting is something especially preseason scouting or postseason whatever we're just gonna call it scouting in general because I'm, I'm tired of trying to figure out which one of those i like more but it's something that you can't do enough of, in my opinion, especially when it's not deer season. Like I, I feel like this is the time of year to get in there if your season is over with and go bump deer. Go push deer out of areas and figure out what that historical sign on the ground looks like. What? How do you approach this kind of down period? Your season just ended like uh, Sunday, I believe, and you're kind of left in limbo. What, what, what's the first thing you're looking to do this off year? <laughs> Well, one of the things that I kind of look to do 
uh, in the off season, and I kind of keep that in mind during the season is I think of ways like for the private spots are ways that I could kind of maybe improve the property a little bit, maybe make s some different changes to the property to maybe, maybe to get deer to funnel a little bit differently. Or if I noticed a trend of what deer were doing, uh, think about, okay, how do I want to deal with this next season on my setups and maybe try to get like a, um, I just put that in a data log. A lot of, I don't write it down. I just keep it all inside my head. Uh, especially for deer hunting deer for deer for some reason i can remember everything but if someone tells me their name five minutes i can't remember <laughs> what it is or i can't remember what happened what i ate for lunch yesterday or something like that <laughs> but for deer uh for some reason i can i guess it just being obsessed with it uh it's kind of always on your mind so i look at okay how can maybe i make some improvements um maybe where do i need to find spots where i need to make adjustments for like trail cameras um, and I go out like right now is I've still got some trail cameras running and I plan on going out and putting some more trail cameras out because I got word, uh, just the other day that one of the neighbors, um, to the South of the properties I hunt, um, apparently there, there's like a big rye field or something that's to the South. And, uh, one of the neighbors actually laid eyes on, everybody knows the deer I was after this year, Apollo, I guess. Um, they actually laid eyes on him the other day. Like they actually called mm. my father-in-law like, Hey, we saw this giant deer. We've never seen a deer that size before. Um, <laughs> have you guys ever seen that deer? <laughs> and of course my father was like, uh, and, and it's good to just kind of share with your neighbors back and forth because we both have kind of like the same goals, uh, when it comes to deer hunting. So he's like, yeah, we, we've got some, uh, history with that deer or he, he kind of goes back and forth on this property. So I kind of like, okay, so he's kind of moved that way at the, uh, the end of the season here. So I'm hoping I'm going to get some cameras out and maybe try to find um, what he's kind of doing uh, this time of year. So, but yeah, the one of the, like I said, one of the first things I do is try to, for the private spot, is just try to figure out different different things that I can do in the off season to maybe make it a little bit better. So, and then I, like I said, I'll, I'll go listen to some podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, Landon Legacy's got a good podcast on how you can oh, yeah. kind of improve um, your properties um, because I feel like sometimes if you're not, then maybe because in some of the areas like, well, I'm not seeing as many deer as I was before. Well, why is that? Is there something different about right. this property where did I not have acorns or did I just not have enough browse on the property? So I, I look at just different ways that I can help improve uh, my chances um, maybe for the next season. You know, I, I think that's also massive because year to year changes happen. Um regardless if you hunt private or public. I mean, you know, last year I hunted a piece of public that I didn't hardly ever see another person. And this year the pressure was absurd. I don't know if somebody was tweeting about this place or what, and if it was you, <laughs> I'm going to kick you in the shin if I ever find out otherwise. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I just got fully inundated in the, in the deer movement to just totally shut down in areas that I had found it before. I think for me, I like going and finding areas where there was once den dense cover. You know, like let's say that uh, it it's a lot of oaks or something that drops its leaves, and you can get in there and now see a great distance that during the summertime you just can't see. And I feel like a lot of times you can find that areas that you thought were impenetrable, maybe it was only impenetrable for about 50 yards, but once you get in there, it opens up, or there's a very clearly defined trail, or you can just get a different perspective. You know, it's one of those things, I don't know if any of our listeners or that are listening right now are from the south, but we do a lot of controlled burns around here. And when you do those controlled burns, you get a, a totally different perspective for the landscape, because you can see in a distance that you normally can't. And... One of the things I really liked doing this year, and I'm going to really try and double down on it this year, is trying to find those areas that are normally impenetrably thick and get in there while it's still cool, while the threat of, of, of snakes are still relatively low because it's Florida. But, uh, you know, get in there and just kind of figure out where they're laying down rubs, figure out where they're laying down scrapes. More importantly, just figure out travel corridors because I found this year that deer move 
in areas where maybe you, you can't easily ad- dis, uh, distinguish or identify where they're moving. But if you get in there when all those leaves have fallen, you start to see little patterns. And it might only be a, a change in the tree height from you know a six-foot pine to suddenly it's a 10-foot pine in this area and this ridge runs for a ways. And for some reason, they like to run that skirt. And you may not have realized that before. Um, I, I really think that right now... Um, and I know actually right now is when the whitetail experience boys, um, they are pounding the ground between now and Turkey season. They spend every waking moment out there scouting, trying to find sheds, trying to find those the do, do exactly what I just talked about. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And unfortunately like shed hunting's not really much of a thing down here. I, I wish it was, uh, I've given it my best like for several years here recently trying to find sheds uh, especially of some of the deer that I might be after and then I'll find a shed here and there but it's nothing kind of like they have uh, up in the midwest and I think it's just a product of everything's just so dense here um, and so thick and just a lot of areas where like you said it's almost seems like it's impenetrable (laughs) to get into and right and I think a lot of the times like the squirrels and all that stuff kind of get to them <laughs> before we before we can find them um i mean you found a shed the other day um yep and i like i said i i've i've found them but it's just not i i haven't really had a lot of great success finding sheds um and for for me the sheds are it's like okay that buck was on your season or on your property late season or it doesn't mean that they were on there at all actually during the hunting season they might have just moved there but you kind of do know okay well there is a deer like this in the area Uh, maybe he passed through during the rut or maybe it's just more of a justification okay i had this deer on game camera from uh before the season started and then i also got a sheds here so it's a good indicator okay that deer lives either on your property or really close by (laughs) to your property so you can kind of get a game plan Uh, on some of those deer so but yeah the a lot of the things you're talking about is like just get out there put some boots on the ground uh know the season's over but look for some of the little subtleties that you may have not noticed during the season and maybe think kind of come up with a game plan for next season it's like okay well i needed to be 50 yards this way or maybe the deer maybe there's just a sign it's like oh all the deer were actually going out that way during the season and i thought they were coming out this way um, so there, there's a ton of things that you can do um, to kind of help your, your postseason scouting. And one of the things that I want to kind of add is it's not really postseason scouting, but it's more of what you can do uh, in when you're not hunting deer in the off season. And that's try to find new places to hunt, whether it be on a new piece of public or getting access to some more private ground that you have. Because from what, what I've kind of found out is, is the more places that you have to hunt, um, maybe the better your success might be at finding a target deer. I know not everybody sure. has target deer or whatnot, but if you've got more places to go and even just to kill deer, if say you're not having much luck on said area, well, maybe if you went to a piece of public that was 45 minutes away, maybe it's gangbusters over this year because there's acorns everywhere or you find another private piece of property that just is set up to hold deer. So the more kind of feelers and the more places you go and scout, um, I think the, the better your odds are at being successful with deer. So that's definitely something people can go do during the off season is just find more places to hunt and not just be limited to hunting grandma's five acres that she yeah. has that you're allowed to hunt. And then expecting maybe a big deer to be there <laughs> because yeah. th- there may be one, but there, if he's not just using five acres, <laughs> so no. he may just be on your property <laughs> once a month. I mean, who knows? Or he just passes through from time to time. And, uh, so j- just find places where you can go and you know, there's deer there, even if for does, I mean, people got doe tags and everything else. Just go, go find these places that, cause there's certain management areas that have low deer density. And then there's certain ones that are just, uh, that flourish with deer and j- are just have a huge doe population. So go find that place and, uh, use some of this, uh, postseason scouting to, f- to figure that out and then kind of come up with a game plan for next season on, okay, well, uh, I don't want to go ruin grandma's five acres or this 30 acre chunk that I have. 
I'm going to go here at the beginning of the season, maybe knock my doe tags out of the way, or maybe I find a, uh, some bucks over there that I'm willing to shoot. And uh, just kind of don't just don't limit yourself to just I'm only going to hunt this piece of public or I'm only going to hunt this piece of private. So I think that will help people uh, have more success because I've found that it's helped me. The more places that I have to hunt and are able to scout and go to and figure out, um, obviously, the more success that I have. Well, think about it from a psychological standpoint, right? Like the more cars you've got up your sleeve, uh, I'm speaking to uh, mainly like, you know, people who are trying to figure out their areas. The more cards you have up your sleeve, if some of those spots are going south, let's say you're getting pressure or you're not seeing the deer you're supposed to, and by pressure I mean other hunters, you're not as, if you've already gone in there and you've already scouted the area, you're going to have the confidence you need to get in there. And, you know, yes, you may not have been in there since the spring, but you know what that place looks like and you know what kind of sign was in there. And it's not just a blind sit at that point. You're not just picking a part on the map and saying, okay, I'm going in there and hoping I find the right tree. You're going in there with some basis of understanding that is going to allow you to get up when maybe you're, you're struggling for motivation. I'm speaking from experience here. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Go while the season isn't you know on the line. You, you, maybe it's you, you've got doe tags that you can fill, or maybe the season's over. During the deer season, you may not venture out to some of these WMAs, but now's the time to go do it. Go see these spaces, if only to write them off. If you can, Dan Enfault talks about um, areas where uh, some some pieces of public just don't have the criteria of what he's looking for, and that and that's okay. But some places have ten spots that he hunts. Some places have none. But if you don't go there, you don't know. And there's nothing worse than tree stand paralysis. And what I mean by that is, and we've all done this before, where you just can't pick a tree. Well, if you do your homework, I think tree stand paralysis starts to kind of fade a little bit and you start to come up with a game plan and you can at least stick to it and you can pick that tree that you need to. Or you can go into an area confidently and sit longer and sit stiller and and, uh, be ready to, um, you know, be be, be ready. Because honestly, you hit the nail on the head earlier too. Simply put, the more time you put in the woods, the more likelihood you're going to have of running into a deer. Yeah. You know, you can't be stupid about it. I mean, obviously, you got to play the wind and stuff like that. There's other parts that come into it. But realistically, if you put in the hours, you're going to encounter wildlife. I mean, that's just that's just a matter of, of, of fact there. Yeah, no doubt. And then you mentioned wind. I mean, a lot of people use that as a reason not to hunt. Like, yeah. I even heard you this season use that as an excuse on why I you did. didn't go to the woods because of the wind. And if you've got a lot of places to hunt, then the wind's probably not going to be a factor. Because the chances are one of these properties, the wind's going to be right for you. Right. So, like I said, that just puts you out in the woods even more. And the more you're out there, the the more the better your odds are at having success. So, don't figure out all the things that you use as an excuse, maybe in the off season, not to go and trigger out and figure out how to fix those things to put you in the woods more the next season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I wanted to touch on as well is don't try, especially this this is a word that goes out to all of our new hunters, and I know I'm emphasizing that a lot, guys, but we do have a a relatively large body of people that are reaching out for advice and tips that are new to hunting and they're older in life. Uh, By that, I mean they're not kids. Um, Don't so much worry about finding buck sign. Just go find deer sign. Just literally put your boots to the ground, find as much deer sign as you can, because even if you're finding doe sign... You hunt the does during the rut. You you hunt corridors where deer are traveling, and you need all of those pieces together. So if you're going out there and you're finding heavy deer tracks, but you aren't finding any rubs or scrapes and stuff, that's all data points. Those are all important pieces in the puzzle. And if you go and figure out where they are right now, and you keep trying to learn throughout the year, and you bow hunt that area during the early season all the way through, you'll start to pick put together a picture in your head of why those deer, even if it's a good, what I consider a BS theory, you'll start to get put together a theory as to why those deer are moving the way they are. Um, and I think that kind of brings me to one of my points, and that is food sources. I think right now is the perfect time for people to be really honing in on food sources in their area. And you can get too hung up on food sources, but when the the leaves are off the tree and they're on the ground at your feet, or you can go in there and you can find acorn husks and areas where people where deer are, are are feeding, try and understand all of those movements. Try and figure out why they are where they are, especially for food, because this year, dude, 
we didn't have an acorn crop and it left me scrambling because I mainly hunt feed trees. That is pretty much my go-to for, uh, hunting whitetails. And I didn't put enough time into like establishing areas where they can browse and those, those, you know, non-hard mast style food sources. It's the off season. You should be learning the most right now, or at least pursuing that knowledge. Right. And going out and like you said, trying to find bedding, go, go to the areas where you're, you're finding where, where they've been bedding. And in Florida, like you said, even the browse, I mean, shoot, they, they can bed in areas where they can browse. That's a lot of the problem is, is trying to get them up to, to feed during daylight hours, especially early season is some of these deer um, are browsing right where they're bedding. I mean, we've, I've, we've, me and my buddy have kind of proved this where we go and he, after we killed a deer and we kind of knew where the deer was bedding at, and we'd go back, cut their, uh, look at their stomach contents and all of that stuff where they were bedding in, you could just see where they had been kind of picking in that throughout the day. And that's right. what they were eating. So they, they really had no reason to kind of get up and move about a lot during the daylight hours because they were just eating as they laid. I mean, maybe they, they get up and move around a little bit um, just in that little bit of area. But um, so figure out that bedding. Try to try to get maybe in some of these areas, especially like in some of your public areas and stuff like that, is try to figure out maybe ways that you can access that bedding without alerting deer. Right. Maybe you can go and right. figure out. Okay, well, the, these I know these are like core bedding areas. How? What do I need to look for, and what what can I find to maybe help me uh, during the season, like have better access to that spot where I can sneak in there. Um, right. cause a lot of the stuff we talk about and maybe killing deer is like just, just having good access. So figure out, okay, well, if it's a North wind, then this is how I need to come in. And this is where I need to set up. If it's a South wind, then I could possibly set up over here. Are there trees in this area that I could get close and maybe already have those kind of marked on yep. whatever app you're using go, okay, well, I know it's a North wind. Oh, this is, this is the, this is where I need to kind of focus right now. So I think finding, uh, those little things will probably help you be more successful next season. And then one of the things, like I said, you mentioned we have a lot of new hunters and some of them are a little bit older and getting out there. Well, my thing is what I would kind of challenge them to do is find somebody that you know is successful and maybe take them to those areas. Maybe Chase get, has claimed everybody. <laughs> get, a, uh, <laughs> get another perspective and especially like somebody who's had a lot of success and maybe doing what you're doing or what you're trying to do, get them out there and let them look at the property that you're hunting. And, uh, cause like I said, nothing's on the line at the, at this point during the season. Um, every, everything's over, but maybe they go into it and see something com completely different than, uh, what you were seeing. And maybe they could get help, give you some tips to make you more successful. So I would yeah. challenge people to do that is just to maybe take someone experienced with you. Um, maybe not take them to your like honey hole or something like that. If it's like a piece <laughs> of public land or something like that, or somebody you trust or go out there and get and or find somebody, find a buddy to uh, hunt with. And uh, maybe you can use that and kind of go back and forth with each other and use like a team approach. I know some people like to solo hunt and stuff like that. I mean, I've kind of guilty of it myself a lot of times is just, just being a solo hunter, but it, it does help when you have other perspective or people you can call and talk to, and maybe they've had a situation like yours happen to them in the past and they can give you maybe some tips or tricks that they use uh, to get it done. Or maybe like you said, there, there were no acorns this year. Okay, well, maybe if you had a hunting buddy or something like that, maybe they could give you information. Okay, well, yeah, I've I've had a bunch of time, bunch of years where there were no acorns. This is what I did, and this is how I found success. So search those people out. Try to try to find somebody. I mean, there's tons of hunters that are are looking for a new hunting buddy, or or that they just love giving advice. <laughs> From what I found, yeah. is uh, hunters love giving advice to each other. Maybe not to the point where they're giving out their best spots or anything like that. But I think that all hunters want to see other people be successful as well. And I, I, I've got buddies that kind of message that we, I message back and forth with, and they ask me, uh, oh, this is what this deer is doing. Hey, do you have any advice? And I'll just kind of go, okay, well, this is what I've had happen in the past in this type of situation. Maybe you should think about moving your stand over here. Um, 
or maybe you should think about um, trying to figure out, okay, this deer is always, for some reason, comes in on a northwest wind or, or something. Try, try to figure out, try to look at the most uh, data points that you can find and come up with a game plan. Um, so it, it definitely helps having other people you can talk to and uh, share information with. And, and then I think that also could help you be more successful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think, you know, one of the biggest benefits I've had to shortening the learning curve around here is I reached out to local hunters and just, you know, started the conversation off right. And what I mean by that is don't ask for spots. You know, like don't don't ask for spots. Don't ask for intel. Volunteer stuff to them. Like, hey, man, if you ever need somebody to help drag out a deer or something, you know, give me a holler. I'd be glad to – I'd love to come along and figure out, you know, you, you can teach me how to blood trail deer or – you know, something like that, but also say, Hey, you know, I'm looking at this area. This is what I saw. Do you have any, do you have any input? Like, where do you think the deer would be moving? I'm not from this area and I'm not used to this terrain. Dude, I've made two really good friends that have drastically, drastically shortened the learning curve here with me. And it took a little while to warm up for them to warm up to me and really start giving me that information. So, you know, and it, and it goes both ways. If you bust a big deer in an area, maybe you feed them some information on that, you know, like, you know, find find some friends that you can help break down an area right. because four eyes no are better doubt. than two. Especially on, uh, especially on like these big pu- uh, chunks of public mm-hmm. land, mm-hmm. like you're hunting. I mean, these are big chunks of public land that a lot of the time they all look the same. Like you've got a thousand acres of pine flats, or you've got whatever five hundred con- solid acres of just hardwoods that. It's just nothing, there's nothing there that really differentiates anything from the next thing. So it, it definitely helps. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, and there's nuance to all public land. The, the, this especially has everything to, like, this This really comes in uh, key when it comes to public land. If you have public land and large bodies of it, there are nuances. There are little things that maybe aren't in the regulation or maybe aren't as, as clear when you're looking at the map for the first time that your buddies, these buddies, if they're good buddies, will be like, hey, why don't you check out this area over here? I, th- I think I think you'll find you'll like what's over here. And you're going to have to do the legwork, but they kind of put you in the right direction. You know, like, or or they might volunteer somebody else's information. Like, hey, I was at the check station, this dude, this dude wouldn't quit jacking his jaw about this big eight point that he's been seeing, or big ten point. And, uh, you know, you know, why don't you go check this area out? And you might have to still do the, the heavy lifting, but at least you've been put in the right direction. I mean, that, that's something, right? Yeah, that that helps. Just yeah. being pointed in a in a direction definitely helps, and you just got to put in the time. Absolutely. After that. So, but yeah, there's there's so many different things that you can do in uh, with your with your postseason scouting um, that could help you be successful. I'm not saying it's like the end all be all, because um, like I said, if you really want, I'm not saying if, if you really want to get into it, then like I said, it's almost more of like a, a lifestyle <laughs> right. or an obsession. Everybody I hear, I mean, I listen to a bunch of hunting podcasts and it seems like there's a constant theme as they all have time and they're all out there yeah. <laughs> hunting as much as they possibly can. Yeah. And then in the off season, they're scouting, they're shed hunting or they're prepping their properties. It's like, it's like a never ending process. Um, for a lot of these people, or, I mean, a lot of people, like I said, they don't have that luxury or that kind of time. Well, make the best use of your time instead of maybe in the off season, sitting at home and watching eight solid hours of some show that you found on Netflix. Well, take uh, four of that and go out and scout a new piece of public property. Um, Cause that's going to help you later on. Watching the eight hours of Netflix isn't going to help you probably be successful unless maybe it's Meat Eater or something like yeah. that. Or the Chasing Tales Outdoor podcast on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can listen to us while you're scouting. <laughs> that's it. That's it. We're mobile. <laughs> you can go mobile with us for sure. So oh. I remember when I first started listening to podcasts. Yeah. Uh, this is probably circa like 2016 is when I found podcasts, a uh, hunting, pod, uh, hunting podcast to listen to. I think there were a couple of times that I was actually in the stand with my headphones in listening to the podcast at the time because I was just so enamored by like the information that was out there and I found this like golden piece or or something that I was like man I've got to get as much of this as I can um I'm I'm gonna listen whenever I possibly can uh to these podcasts so but yeah take just take the time get out there and you can 
even make it a family affair if you got a family. Take them out. I know the wife, yeah. the kids, they like the outdoors. It, you're Even if they don't like hunting, it's not hunting. That's that's not really hunting. You're just taking them out there, let them enjoy the outdoors, and while you're out there with them, maybe look for sign or tra- look, look for trails. Take them shed hunting. I mean, it's like an Easter egg hunt. I mean, a lot of people love to do that, and a lot of people take their families out there that don't hunt at all, but they love to go find sheds. So use that as an opportunity to get out in the woods and um, do some scouting. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I want to pick your brain on one last topic, and then we'll probably be pretty close to wrapping this up, and that is where, how do you go about using trail cameras? I think you and I probably use them a little differently because you mainly scout public, uh, private land and myself public, but I'm curious, wh- wh- what is your plan to utilize uh, that, that resource this offseason? Well, I kind of mentioned this on a podcast before is for the off season, I like, especially right now, I, I'm kind of using it as more of like a inventory type thing. It's like what deer made it through the season? Um, what kind of shape are they in type deal? Um, and then I'll put them, I'll just put them in certain areas. Like I'll put them on water holes. I'll put them on like areas that I know that kind of funnel deer per se, but I don't really use them for much other information than that um because like i said they're they're going to be once they once they drop their antlers and stuff like that then you you really don't know that much about what they're doing from whenever they drop their antlers till when they start growing them again and you can kind of get an idea so i'm just using them as an like as an inventory purposes of okay yeah this deer's still around um he's he's used my property early season and now he's on their late season Uh, i pretty much know that he's this this is his home core area or and a lot of times like some of the properties that i hunt um it it seems like they're they're more home bodies it's more of a core area for a lot of the deer Um, and then other areas i know is is more of a rut type area where there's there's not a it's not like a huge core area uh for some of these deer so that that's how i'm using them um, and it just lets me, just confirms to me, it's like, yeah, yeah, the, the deer here. Uh, I, I know I've got deer here and maybe uh, I've got a target deer to, to kind of look at uh, the next season. Um, for um, public, I mean, like I said, I, I don't hunt a lot of public. I do more quotas than I do anything for public, mainly because uh, quite a few of the public areas, I don't have as much public as you have where you're at accessible um, to get to. And just my, my private pieces, a lot of time are just more convenient for, for me to get to and sneak in a hunt. Um, but if I, I, there are a couple of public areas that I think I am going to put trail cameras, um, for sure, but maybe not for, uh, off season or post season, whatever we're calling it, scouting. Um, I'll probably move them over there before the season just to kind of get an idea of maybe what's, what's on there. Um, so yeah, that's all I'm using them for right now is just inventory. Right on. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same thing. I'm I'm just trying to get an idea of what's moving through the area. I'm not actually like, you know, losing any sleep over what shows up on it. It's just, you know, are they moving during daylight hours? Are there decent bucks in the area? Because you know, if I ever get to the point where I can kill deer on a routine basis, I'll start caring about what kind of deer are in the area. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think for me this year, it's probably going to be a pretty rapid expansion of um the use of trail cameras. I think I've got five operating right now and I'm probably going to try and grow that number to about 12 just because of like what you just mentioned. And I've got a lot of public land here. I need, I need eyes and ears everywhere and I need to be able to bounce those cameras around. I need to be able to figure out, you know, where things are. I got some nice bucks on camera last year from letting those jokers sit from the beginning of deer season on. And I plan on doing the exact same thing this year. If I can find places where I feel like that camera is safe. So um, stay tuned on that. I think that's going to be fun. And, you know, you and I also talked about some videos we might be doing here soon, uh, kind of breaking down some of the areas that we're scouting and, and stuff like that. I'll, I'll leave that to their imagination for right now, but I think a lot of people are going to be excited with what we uh, put together this summer. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I hope it'll, I'm hope it'll be helpful to, like I said, a lot of the, the new hunters out there. And I think it'll help us as well, because maybe it'll make us look at things a little bit differently. Try to look at it from someone who's brand new coming in uh, to to hunting and just getting back to basics. Because a lot of times getting back to the basics helps you <laughs> be successful 
and some of the times you forget about those things because you get so ingrained or you get tunnel vision on a certain thing that you've been doing for a while and you go like oh shoot i used to do that four or five years ago and it worked well maybe i should try it again now <laughs> and and see right. see how it works so yeah i think that'll uh, that'll help out a lot and then it'll even help us out oh yeah for sure for sure well with that dude i think i have ran my course with this and, and where i wanted to take it how about you yeah no doubt. I, I just think that, like you said, it's it's just another way to uh, make you more successful in the woods, and you might as well take the opportunity to use the this postseason as a way to kind of jumpstart uh, next season. Yep. Yep. We agree. We agree. Well, guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, do us one favor. Tell somebody about the show. It's that simple. We grow via word of mouth. We don't put any money into advertisement or anything like that. And we grow because you share this podcast with your friends and family, and we continue to grow. I was just talking with Chase about our download numbers. And year over year, January to January, we have doubled our download numbers. And that can only mean one thing. You guys are doing your part, and thank you so much. And so long as you guys are tuning in, we're going to keep cranking out these episodes. And stay tuned. This weekend, uh, we've got several episodes lined up, as Chase mentioned, and I think you're really going to enjoy the content that's going to come from our first ever weekend hunting together. God, that's such a shame, dude. Been doing this for a year now. We've been friends for so long. It's taken us till now to to get together and hunt for a full weekend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that happens. We we just have to uh, make it a priority in the offseason here to make sure uh, (laughs) that we uh, line more things up. And like I said, you got to – and during the off season, if you got places that you're wanting to go hunt, the one thing I forgot to mention is if you got places that you want to go hunt, say you want to travel out to uh, maybe a state like Alabama or Georgia or Kentucky or just different states, then take the time in the postseason to look up, okay, well, do I need to get tags for this state? Um, do these states uh, take preference points uh, where it may take me three or four years um, before I can actually hunt this state. So maybe do a little bit of homework during the off season on uh, how I can hunt such and such state or, and what their bag limits are and what, look at their, when their ruts are, when's the best time I'm going to have a chance to take a deer there and use that as part of your off season scouting. And maybe, maybe even try to take a trip to some of those places um, yeah. in the off season. So you can do oh, that man. as well. And you know what? I forgot to, to make put this in the intro, but uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and cover it now. If any of the listeners on the Panhandle or Southwest Georgia or Southeast Alabama are interested, I am going to be attending the Project Upland uh, Film Festival in Thomasville, Georgia. Um, if you don't know what Project Upland is, it's a collaborative effort between BHA and the Rough Grouse Society. It is a film festival for upland hunting. It celebrates upland hunting, and they've got a bunch of giveaways that they're going to be doing. Uh, I'll be up there myself recording a, a podcast with some people, not in collaboration with Project Upland, but I'm going to be recording a podcast up there. And I'd like to meet you guys. If you're in that area, come see me. Uh, well, come come see the, the show, but also, you know, feel free to find an overweight ginger bearded dude uh, who looks really excited and say, hey, introduce yourself. Tell me what you uh, enjoy about the show. And uh, I'd be glad to sit down and talk with you, look at your photos, you know, just swap hunting stories, man. That's what this is all about. So if you find yourself available February 8th, Thomasville Center for the Arts in Thomasville, Georgia, I will be there uh, to enjoy the Project Upland showing, and I'd love to meet you guys. Until next time. Get outside, enjoy the great outdoors, and tell somebody about the podcast. Bye. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. Oh, I'm old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.